Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus this morning. Give him your best. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of honor. It is Palm Sunday. Come on, it is Easter week, everybody. What an amazing week. Come on, let's don't take for granted or grow familiar with what he did marching into that city, facing the cross, despising the shame, enduring it for you and I so that he would sit down at the right hand of God and bring redemption into our life. Come on, I just want to declare as far as any curse may be found in your life, the blessing of the cross would flow into your life today and that the blessing of what Jesus did would be in our life. There's a lot happening. If you haven't been to one of our encounter nights, but I want to encourage you to come check that out. It's going to be amazing. It's about an hour and a half of just worship. And so maybe you've never been in that kind of environment, but We just worship God. People are down on their knees worshiping the Lord. There's prayer. Uh, We believe for miracles and the power of God just to move in those nights. And so I would encourage you to check that out. And then uh, I just I just want to encourage you. Let's don't. The Lord spoke to me this morning, and and He just said, "Don't grow familiar with what I did on the cross." Let's don't grow familiar with church or familiar with with each other or familiar. Honor means like putting weight on something or giving weight to something. Let's don't grow familiar with our spouses or our marriages or or really what he did this week. And I just want to encourage you, like, take a little time this week to really reflect in a new way. Maybe you need to fast a little bit or turn down a meal or, or say, you know what, God, I'm believing for you to do something on Resurrection Sunday it's so powerful in my life. Uh, I know it's a, an, another Sunday, but it represents something so great in our faith. And so uh, I just encourage you praying this week, asking God to bring back prodigals. We're in a series called Prodigal. Write a name on the wall out there. Uh, turn down your plate maybe this week and fast for a minute and just say, God, uh, you rose from the dead for me. And what does that, what does that mean? How can I apply that and walk that out in a new way? And I don't want to be familiar. Come on, anybody else not, just, just don't want to be familiar with the things of God or the, the salvation that we have? I mean, it's so, so amazing. Y'all, y'all awake today? I'm going to come at you strong today if y'all don't wake up. Come on, Jesus. Wait, this service isn't early. Uh, we, got, we have three services for Easter next week. We have an 8.30, a 10, and 11.30. I would encourage you, maybe you would make the 8.30 your, your service next week so we can make room and the 10 o'clock service. And so I'm not going to force that or come take names or write any lists like that. But if you, if you can, if you want to get up and get going early, maybe make that 8.30 your service. Be a missionary to the 10 uh, because this service is pretty full. And so we're believing for a big uh, group of people to come and hear the, hear the gospel next week. I promise you, if you invite somebody, they'll hear the gospel next week. They'll hear, they'll hear, hear it simply. They'll hear it. It'll be able to, to apply their life. And uh, I, I want to encourage you, bring uh, people. We have a stack of invites at our connection area still. Um, there's a small stack. Many of you got those off your seat. There's a small stack left. Can we just clear that stack out today and make sure everybody that we know gets one of those? Come on, let's just, let's don't let any invite stay here uh, this Sunday. Let's get those, go out and invite our spheres of influence. I'm telling you, uh, friends and family and people you know will come and respond to an invite. Uh, they just, they're just waiting on an invite and it could mean heaven for them. It could mean heaven. It could mean eternity. Uh, 10 people gave their life to Christ last week at church. Come on, 10 people said yes to Jesus. I'm so pumped by that. And then, and then water baptism's in two weeks. So if you were one of those people that said yes to Jesus last week, I encourage you to sign up for water baptism uh, in two weeks, uh, the week after Easter. And, and we're going to be uh, believing God to see people take that step of obedience. Uh, I'm going to jump. I said I was going to preach on, jo- uh, on Moses or on Peter this week. I'm not. Uh, God took me to Jonah uh, as I was studying and, and, and working in this um, last thought on prodigals before we have uh, Easter Sunday. And 
Um, I just uh, thought that the, the, the Jonah story, um, I want to give a little, uh, I just want God to give us some revelation today about that story and kind of redeem it for us. So a lot of people, and someone told me this morning in prayer, a lot of people look at that story as like judgment from God or discipline, you know, God's anger. And uh, I think it's totally a different picture. Jonah was a minor prophet. And uh, minor prophets, if you know, uh, it doesn't mean they were less important. It just means that they um, had a, uh, a smaller portion sometimes of, of, of um, story in the scriptures. And so as a minor prophet, uh, Jonah, uh, prophets would go and declare a message. Prophets would go and, and give a, a pronouncement to God's people or to nations or to kings. It's weird with Jonah, he doesn't really have a whole lot of pronouncement. He doesn't have a lot to say. It's more of a narrative and more of a story about what he went through. It's not so much him proclaiming something. And he had, he had, he really only said one thing. He said, repent like, or no, actually he said in three days, Nineveh will be destroyed. That's all he said. And then, and that was basically it. Now him and him and God, and you know, they had some dialect and dialogue and, and, and you know, the story, I'd encourage you to go read it. Uh, but so it's more of a narrative and it's, here's the thing it's, it's about, here's what really the book of Jonah and the story of Jonah is about. It's about his calling. It, you, each of you have a calling. It's, a, it's about his rebellion. Come on. All of us have gone astray. You know, when I talk about prodigals, we all have a little prodigal in us at times. Uh, it's about his recovery, and then it's about the results of his ministry and what happened, how God used him. It was written about 800 to 750 BC. Uh, he was a contemporary of Elijah the prophet, so they were, they were prophesying at the same time together. They were in ministry at the same time, and, and the themes of the, Bible, of the book are God's rule over men and creation, uh, God's heart for all nations. God rules over men and creation. He's sovereign. He's, he's all powerful. It's a, it's a picture in this story. God has a heart for all nations to be saved. He, he wants this, this man of God on mission to go preach to a demonic nation called Nineveh. That was modern day Iraq. They had, they had crafted war and torture down to a science. And so uh, God speaks to this young man, this prophet, this godly man, could have been any one of us. And he says, I want you to go preach uh, to your coworkers that have been torturing you for years. I want you to go preach to people that you might not like. So God has a heart for the lost. It didn't just start at the cross. He has a heart for all nations. It shows God's mercy to mankind. It shows God's dealing with disobedience. And then it really pictures uh, and shows, paints a picture of God's miracles. Many people think that like it's, it's an uh, allegory or whatever. It's not. It, 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 Jesus references, references Jonah historically when he's talking to the Pharisees that want to sign. And so there, there's real miracles. And there was a real fish. I don't know if it was a whale, uh, but I'm going to use the word whale today for the fish. And uh, it was a real true miracle that God did. So Jonah chapter 1, I'm going to read a lot of verses today. Uh, so if I don't preach good, at least you got the word of God read to you. Is that okay? Jonah 1, 1 through 17, it says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, uh, saying, arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. Come on, Jonah's running to Joppa. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he's running from the presence of God. He's running from God's assignment. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea. So that great ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his own God, the crew. Uh, they threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea. They lightened the load, but Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had laid down and was asleep. 
So the captain came to him and said to him, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know whose cause this trouble is that's come upon us. So they cast lots and it fell to Jonah. And they said to him, please tell us for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. What is your occupation? They're like, dude, who are you? And, and, and where do you come from? What is your country and what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of God because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Don't we, don't we get that kind of extreme sometimes when we're disobeying God? It's like, just I'll obey. <laughs> like, kill me, Lord. You know, he's like, throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, here's religion. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not. For the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they cried out all the, to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. Do not charge us with this innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done uh, as, you please, as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish. That's interesting. The Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Simple title for today is Outrunning Grace. Outrunning Grace. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that we, we can't race grace and win. Thank you that you chased us down. You've brought us here to this moment that no one's here by accident. Lord, I pray that your word would uh, do what it's meant to do. That your word would um, just enter our hearts and Renew our minds and just refresh our souls, God, so that we can do all you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen? Outrunning grace. I, I mentioned it last week. I said it a little bit, and it was kind of a joke about uh, me trying to run away from home when I was in second grade. Uh, my stepsister and I, I told you the story, we had a, 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 a wagon and, a, and a, a bag of pecans. That's all we had. And uh, we ran from home, and my mom followed us in her little Toyota Corolla, and uh, we tried to outrun the house. I was thinking about that story more this week, and just, just thinking about like, like the home and, and like second grade. Like, it, why, why, was I, why was I trying to run away from a perfectly good home? Like, isn't it weird sometimes that we just run from perfectly good stuff? Like, we just, like, I got, I got a good home. I was in second grade. How bad could it be? Like, I know there's bad homes. I know there's rough homes and situations that need to be run from, but my home was a good home. There was grace in the home. There was food in the home. There was a family. It was a step family, but it was a good family. Everybody was trying to work to figure out how to blend a family together, and we just decided to kind of run from home. I think a lot of times we run from grace. We can run from God's goodness, and we can run from the things because we don't really know what we have sometimes. My kids, whenever I would go to discipline them when they were younger and uh, they would mess up or do something. They were little. Uh, they knew they messed up. And if you have kids, you, you know this kind of story. You ever had your kids, they mess up and then they run and try to hide from you somewhere in the house. And, they, and, and I'm talking about little, like when they were, you know, two, three, you know, four, the cute ages, you know, five, six, I don't know, in those ages, the cute ages. If you have teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. And so, and so they, they would try to hide. They would hide and like they would put the little blanket on themselves and they'd put the little pillows around themselves and their little booty sticking right up in the air. I'm like, there you are right there. 
Like, you can't, I, you can't hide from me. I, I see you. And, no, and, and they would hide from my grace, from my goodness. Even though they messed up, they didn't know my heart for them. So they thought they could outrun me or hide from me. And the reality is they could never hide anywhere in my house or anywhere that, 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 that I wasn't. I would find them and my grace would chase them down. My grace would love them. My grace would speak to them. And my grace would direct them in the right decisions and directions for their life. Does that make sense? God has that same heart for you and I. Many times we run from his grace. We try to race grace in a way and get away from the, the things, or maybe we've messed up and we're fearful and we don't know who God really is. And we think he might be uh, coming down hard on us or wanting to ridicule or chastise or judge in a way. And so we kind of try to hide from, it started in the garden. Come on, started in, in the garden of Eden. Adam hid himself from God. And it, we're still, listen, we're still doing it today. If we're going to be honest, I still hide sometimes my, my stuff or hide from God. I get scared about saying, hey, this is, about, this is where I'm at. God, I'm running a little bit. And, and, so, and so we, 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 we kind of cover up and God is talking to Jonah. And that's exactly what Jonah's doing. Jonah's been given an assignment to do something for God. He's trying to outrun it. He's trying to hide from it. He's trying to go in a different direction. A lot of reasons that people think he's going in a different direction. Theologians have argued about it. Many think that he hated Nineveh because they had tortured some of his family that had been in captivity there. Many, many think he was just scared. Come on, I'd be scared to go to Nineveh. Anybody? Yes. Uh, uh, you know, he, he was probably fearful that God gave him an assignment. Some believe that he was fearful about his reputation because he was going to say Nineveh will be destroyed in three days. That's all he was allowed to say. Nineveh will be destroyed in three days. And he knew that God was gracious and merciful and that Nineveh was going to repent and they weren't going to be destroyed. So he was going to look like a false prophet. Many think he might have been concerned about his own reputation. And so there's all types of reasons that we justify and we come up with reasoning and different scenarios and situations to kind of not obey God or to go in a different direction or when God speaks to us. I don't know about you, but if I'm the only human in here, there's many times that I come up with rationale and reasoning to not obey God. I, I, can, I can think of all the different types of reasons, and God's just saying, listen, when I speak to you, and I'm going to, I was to talk to you today as a, as a prodigal or as someone serving God, God says, when I speak to you, I just want you to obey. And we make it so complicated. We just make it complicated, and the reality is I make it, it's not, Jesus isn't that complicated. Come on, thank God. He's simple. He's like, he's like just, I love you, so obey me. Just, just obey, like, because I love you. Like, I want my kids not out of fear, not out of regret, not out of shame, just because they know that I love them. And here's the thing I want to say to you today. Everything God has asked you to do, everything he's designed for you is full of grace. Every assignment, every direction, every purpose, everything he's telling you right now that you might be running from, whatever it might be, it's filled with grace. It might not be easy, but it's filled with the grace of God. I've got several thoughts today. I've got five simple thoughts for you today. The first one, faith and obedience please God. Faith and obedience please God. I know that like in this day and age, that word obedience and that stuff's not popular, but the reality is like faith, God asks us to be disciples, like a disciple. Listen to me, a disciple. If you're a disciple of Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, that the, the marks of a disciple are obedience. I'm preaching to myself today. It's going to be quiet in this Presbyterian church. I, I, the, the reality is like, I, I need to hear God and know, I, I wrote this down. It's not going to be on the screen. Write this down. The more we experience his love, the more 
we accept his leading. So, so I just want to obey because he loves me. I, I might not understand what he's asking me to do today or tomorrow, or I might not understand why he's saying to do that, but I want to obey because he loves me. I want to walk in, in obedience and faith because he loves me. That's faith, obeying because I know he loves me. Faith is knowing that he has a good for me and his directions are filled with grace and he wants me to do something or he's called me to something. It's not gonna always be easy. The assignments won't make sense. Come on, you think it made sense to David to face a giant? You think it makes sense, made sense to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to go into to a furnace? You think it made sense to a Daniel? Do you think it made sense to a Jesus to ride in on a donkey and face a cross? Come on, it's not always easy. But the reality is, we know it's filled with love, and I want to make a decision. I ask you to make a decision. Just obey because he loves you. Being a disciple means that there's obedience. Listen, it's not, the word disciple is not easy. I tell my kids all the time. I don't tell my kids to marry a Christian. Marry a Christian. Marry a Christian. Don't marry a Christian. There's all types of definitions nowadays for a Christian. That can mean a thousand different things. Marry a follower of Jesus. A follower of God. The word disciple, I know it's not easy. You know what the word disciple is the root of? Discipline. And, and I don't just mean like a negative, like discipline. I mean like a disciplined life, a, an obedient life, following Christ. Like I'm going to be a disciple of God. I'm going to not just be a student. Hear me. Uh, many people say a disciple is a, is a disciplined learner. It's not a disciplined learner. It's a disciplined follower. It's a disciplined obeyer. <laughs> That's a disciple. I don't want to just go to school and be a pupil and learn all I can get and get in the word. Anybody ever have any friends that went to college for like 22 years and don't do anything they went to school for? I got a friend that's a lawyer, like went to, got a law degree, like spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, spent years off his life, has a little paper on the wall and doesn't practice law. I'm like, what happened? How many of us Christians like study and study and pray and have the Bible on the shelf and do all the things, but we don't obey and practice what he's asked us to obey and practice. I'm just going to be real with you in church today because I'm, I'm preaching to me today. Don't, don't listen to, listen for me. Okay. I, I just, I think, I think sometimes like we just, when it just comes to simple obedience that we would just say, you know what? I'm not just going to go to class. I'm going to be a follower and it's going to be disciplined. It's not going to be easy, but when God says do it, I know he loves me. I wrote this down and I just would say this. There's, there's no Christian bodybuilders in the faith. We got all, we got, I'm telling you, like we got Christian bodybuilders out here all day long. What's a bodybuilder do? Goes to the gym seven days a week, lives disciplined, cuts out the junk from their life, eats healthy stuff, all for the, for the climactic moment of standing on a platform and flexing. (laughs) There's no Christian bodybuilding guys. We're not called to cut bad stuff out of our life and eat good stuff and work out and read the Bible and and pray and, and sit in our little prayer huddles to never go and actually use the things that we put into our life and obey God with it and go to Nineveh's and go to jobs and go to neighbors and go to workforces and preach the gospel and do what he said and repent and forgive and humble and walk and love and serve and, and, and give and go. And I, I just, I don't, I don't want to, I, for my own life, I don't want to have, I'm nowhere near a bodybuilder. I need to get back in shape. I got about, got about 15 to go. Y'all hold me accountable. But I, but I, I don't want in my faith to huddle up and, and lift weights and pray hard and, 
and never put it into practice. I don't want a diploma. I want faith and obedience. Does that make sense? I think faith and obedience please God. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah to preach in Nineveh. In three days, it'll be destroyed. Jonah runs to Joppa and goes to Tarshish. Listen to me. Tarshish, he's trying to go to Tarshish. Tarshish is the exact opposite direction of Nineveh. Exactly on a map. 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. It's Spain. It's, as Phil Collins would say, the end of the world as we know it. That's the direction. He, he, Jonah decides to run to Joppa, get on a boat, and go 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. Listen to me. We all have a Joppa. We all have a place that we try to get to sometimes and go in the opposite direction. Number two, second thought. When God's word comes to you, there will always be a boat going in the opposite direction. When God tells you to do something, it will be tested. His word will just not come to you and not be tested. There'll be a new option. There'll be an easier option. There'll be an old option. There'll be a same old option. When God's word comes to you, it will be tested with multiple options in the opposite direction. And you and I, I have to decide, you know what? I know it's going to be tested. When I get your word, though, God, I'm going to obey it no matter what it takes, no matter what the cost. I remember when God spoke to me about going to Bible school, we were engaged. Some of you heard the story, but we were engaged and I was at my brother's house in, in North Carolina and I got a phone call. I'm pumped. We're engaged, about to be married. Got a phone call uh, from my mom. It was a random call on my cell phone. I wasn't expecting it. And she's, she's weeping and scared. And she comes and she says, I've been, I've run some tests. They think I have breast cancer. And so, and so she, she, my mom's a little, little bit extreme. She's a little, she's like, she, I mean, it wasn't fully confirmed yet. She kind of, she goes all in. I can, I can't understand that emotion, but she's like, Hey, you're not going to be able to go to Bible school. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, your brother's going to be a lawyer and we need that. <laughs> you know, you, you so you can't go to Bible school. You're going to have to stay home and take care of me. <laughs> I'm like, what mom? She's like, I'm moving in with you. I'm like, Oh my God. That's the last thing an engaged man wants to hear is that his mom's moving in with him. And, and so, and so, you know, here, here's this word of God that I'm going to be married, that I'm going to Dallas for Bible school that we're doing. And, and, and the word began to be tested. I got on the phone with my fiance, my wife, and I began to, to pray with her. We prayed. I went out for about a three to five mile jog, prayed and worshiped, cried out to heaven, got a call a couple days later that she did not have cancer and we were not going to have her living in our newlywed home. But <laughs> thank God more about not having cancer. My point is, anything that comes at you with the word is going to be tested. And so you've got to make a decision that no matter what the test looks like, I'm going to obey. I'm going to live pure. God says, live pure, get married, live holy, do it right, do it my way, quit living this way. All of a sudden, they, they up in your DMs again. They might be at the back door again. You know, how'd they get to my house? You know, well, I'm going to, I'm going to live free from addiction. I thought I threw all those pills away. I thought, I thought I threw all that alcohol away. How did it end up back in this drawer? It's tested again. I'm going to tithe and save and, and live holy with my money and steward what God's given me. Car broke down. Lululemon's got a sale. Yeah, you know, I'm going to, I'm, it's going to be tested. I need godly friends. I'm going to get in church. I'm going to get a connect group. Old friends call up. Let's just hang out for one more weekend. I, I need, I need, I need to start this new company, new business. Old boss says, you know, let me give you a little raise and just keep you in the company. You know, there, there's always going to be a test. You got to hear God. I if anything today, I just ask you to hear God. I need to hear God for the direction of my life. Jonah runs to Joppa. He gets in this place and I'm just kind of preaching through the story a little bit. Is this helping anybody at all? 
He runs from God. He has this Joppa moment. You and I both have had those moments. Maybe you're in one right now. Uh, We've all run to Joppa. He's trying to delay his destiny. He's in a place of disobedience. And, and, And then the place of Joppa, you need to hear this, a hundred years later or hundreds of years later, the place that Jonah disobeys God is the place that God speaks to Peter in a dream and a divine angelic visit to launch the Gentile church. What I I want you to hear is this. This is going to be encouraging for you. Some of the places of disobedience can become platforms of destiny in your life. If If you'll allow grace to get in your story, if you allow God's grace and his goodness and, his, and you trust him and go, okay, God, I know I've been in this place where I ran from you. I know I might've been in a Joppa, but God can use our Joppas to actually be a platform for what God has for you in your life. I, I, don't, know, I don't know what it is. Uh, number three, very simply, uh, God can turn a place of disobedience into a platform for destiny. I mean, I, I want the areas of disobedience in my life, whether it was pre-Christ or when I'd gotten saved to go, you know what, I trust you, God. And, and my, my mishap is going to become a ministry. My mistakes you can breathe on. So some of you have mistakes and you're like, God could never use that. If you would actually give it to him, that test you went through could become a story and a testimony to help somebody else in your community. And, and I think sometimes we shy and we hide the story, but it's how he actually gets the glory. And, and I think if we would be honest with ourselves and go, you know what, here's my full story. God, use my joppa, use my disobedience to get actually glory for you. I'm gonna bring it to you and I'm gonna trust you to use it. He runs to joppa, he runs and he gets on a boat when he's running from God. I, I just wanna say to you, listen to me. When you're running from God, don't get on a boat. Don't do anything dangerous. No skydiving, no swimming with sharks. No, no scuba diving. You take up knitting, okay? If you're running from God in here today, the baby pool, that's where you're swimming, okay? I just, just take it easy. Like, I don't want to do anything dangerous if I'm running from God. He runs, and all of a sudden, this storm heats up, and all of a sudden, the ship is about to go down. The boat's about to sink. They're trying to figure it out. Jonah's under deck napping. God's on the top mapping. Come on. You might be napping in your faith, but God's still mapping some stuff out for you. He's still working. You might be taking a little nap spiritually. Come on, we're going into Easter week. Here's this guy shouting at me, trying to fire me up for the gospel. Come on, you might be a little bit like, where's my next step? What's my direction? God's mapping it out. God's working and God sends this storm. It's a grace storm. It's not a judgment storm. It's not a a ridicule storm. It's a grace storm. You ever ever had a problem on purpose from God? And, And sometimes, listen, God will send storms to wake you and I up. Maybe you're in one today. Maybe you're in a storm. You're like, how did this get in my life? It's called a grace storm. I've been through some grace storms. Anybody been through a grace storm that God used to get your attention to kind of wake you up and to say, okay, hey, I need you to go in this direction. That's what God's doing here. And there's this grace storm. Uh, Write this down. Some storms in your life are connected to your stowaways. So there's a storm on the boat and all these boys think they're going to die and everybody's in threat of dying because of one stowaway on the boat. Some storms in your life are because you've let some stowaways on your boat that you shouldn't have let in your boat. And I want to encourage you, don't let just anybody up in your boat. Like, like pray for them, love them, stay at a distance if you have. You're like, I'm going to love you from a distance. God's going to love you up close. Come on. And and don't just let them in your boat because the reality is if they're running from God, there could be storms in their life that are going to bring you down. Don't partner with people running from God. Don't, Don't date people that are running from God. Don't business up with people that are running from God. Just don't. 
Because some storms are connected to stowaways. I'm not saying don't love them. I'm saying don't date them. <laughs> Come on. Is that all right, everybody? I just don't. I think sometimes we bring storms into our life because we put things around us. The storm's raging. They're praying to God. They're having a prayer meeting on the top of the boat. They wake up Jonah. The captain goes down. Hey, what are you, what are you doing, Jonah? Who are you? And Jonah comes up and says, this is who I am. Introduces himself. They're like, man, it's your fault. And this is what Jonah says. I read it to you earlier. He says, throw me in the water and the storm will stop. And, and they don't. They take the goods and the baggage, they throw it overboard, and they begin to row harder. And God just told me to say that somebody in here is running and rowing harder. And that's religion. A lot of times we try to cut stuff out of our life, like I'm just gonna get rid of that and row harder. Self-effort. I'm gonna get rid of this, I'm gonna be nicer, I'm gonna quit cussing. I'm gonna just quit cussing and I'm gonna row harder. I'm gonna stop this and I'm gonna row harder. That's religion. Man, you can't row hard enough to stop the storm. The storm doesn't stop. And finally they say, well, forgive us and they throw Jonah into the water and the storm stops and Jonah goes to the bottom of the sea. You know the story, he's dead, he's gone. Jonah's dead. Many believe he died. Three days, three nights in the belly of the fish, dead and gone. It's a picture of resurrection. It's a picture of what Jesus gives us. It's a, it's a picture of what Jesus said. This is the sign you'll give, be given. And so number four, very simply with Jonah going into the water, the, the, the whale swallowing him up. Number four, you can't out God's grace. You can't, I know I'm talking to you about running and obeying and disobedience and all those things, but now let's get to this moment. You can't out God's grace. Yes. That God prepared a fish. I love he prepared it. The fish wasn't swimming by on accident. The fish didn't just happen to be there. The fish didn't just take a little, a little Nemo turn, be chased by us. The fish was actually prepared by God for that specific moment of disobedience. God has prepared for your worst mistake. He's prepared for your backslidden moment. He's prepared for your disobedient moment. He's prepared when, when, you, when you mess up and I mess up, God said, I got a fish. I got a whale. I got something that I can actually bring around their life. It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be easy. And all of a sudden, God, do you know how many times in my life God gave me a whale when I was on the run? Come on, anybody that's had a whale when you've been on the run? A word, a whisper, a witness. A person, a friend, a, a TV commercial. Come on, I had God sing through the TV to me one time when I was on the run. That's a different story. <laughs> Y'all like, he's crazy. It's confirmed. My brother was there, and we weren't on drugs. I mean, I mean I'm just telling you, like, God will send a whale. He'll send something in your life and in my life. And you can't, for those of you that think you've outsend God's grace, I'm here to tell you today, God sent me to tell you, you can't outrun his grace. You can't outsend. You, you, your biggest, come on, the bigger the problem, the bigger the fish. The fish is a good thing. The bigger the problem, the bigger the preparation that God has designed for you now. I want to tell a parent, you have a wayward son or a wayward daughter or a prodigal. God's got a whale. I want to tell a family member in here, come on, you got something wayward and you've been crying out. God's got a whale. 
You, you, you've been worrying about that friend or that person, or that loved one. God's designed something. He's prepared something. Jonah goes into the belly of the whale. It's not comfortable. It's not pleasant. It's tight. It's seaweed. It stinks. It smells. It's vomit. It's disgusting. It's a tough place that Jonah goes to. Many of us are trying to rescue people out of the whales uh, that we don't want them in when God is actually sending tight places and tight situations for get, to get us to cry out to God. And I don't, I don't, you know, it's all the whales in my life that cause me to weep for God. I want to rescue my children from the whales and the storms they face. I want to rescue my family members. I want, to, I want to rescue, and some of you right now have that relationship where you've got this dependence on them, and they've got a dependence on you, and you keep trying to rescue them out of all the problems they've got, but it's those problems and those storms that are actually going to release them into God's purpose and God's destiny. I'm just encouraging you, like, like, quit asking them, quit trying to get them out of the whale and let the whale that God has for them do what it needs to do. Let the whale that you might be in or the fish that you might be in be the grace that God's using to get you to the destiny he's prepared for you. Jonah crumbles in the whale. He becomes Medea in chapter two. <laughs> Anybody ever seen Medea pray? Y'all are like, can you say that in church? Yes, it's okay. It's a movie. It's rated PG. All right, whatever. He's like, he's like, God, he, you can read his prayers. He's just, he's just throwing up Hail Mary prayers. He's praying everything. Chapter two, he's like, oh God, send Noah, send Noah to walk on water. You know, just whatever. He's like, he's like doing these prayers. And then all of a sudden he gets broken and he begins to ask God for help. And that's, that's the real, the real heart of this last thought. Number five, brokenness is not a destination. It's preparation. Whatever storm you're facing today, whatever whale you might be in. What, maybe you're here and you've been running and rowing. Well, you've been going in the opposite direction of what God has for your life. Maybe you're a Christian and, and you just know God told you to do something a year ago and you haven't done it yet. Or maybe he told you something yesterday and you haven't done it yet. I got one thing right now God's told me that I haven't done yet. I'm chewing on it. I'm like, I'm wrestling with him on wor and wor worshiping. I haven't done it yet, to be honest. I'm, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. But, but, but there's things in our life that we hear from God and we haven't done or walked out on, obeyed in, whatever that might be for you. Come on, be, be in a place of God. God, I need you. Brokenness is not a destination, but preparation. The only way Jonah came to a place, he begins to praise God and worship God in the belly of that whale. Listen to me. If you're running, there's this place of worship where it might be painful, but you're still grateful. You know, you're in healing when that's happening. You know, when you're a place of brokenness and pain, which is the only thing that leads us to Jesus, where you're in that place of pain and hurt and you get finally to a place of, of not self-sufficient and not rowing harder and not making my, my own self-effort, but go, God, I need you every day. I can't do this without you. I need to obey. I want your will for my life. That place of insufficiency and brokenness is the place where I'm just weak enough to actually give God all the glory. And it's in my weakness that he gets strength and my weakness that he is strong in my life. And so today, man, I just want to encourage you, don't stay in a broken place. Don't stay in a destination of going, you know what, the storm has just broken me. God's speaking to somebody going, you can get back up, you can be healed, you can worship, you can praise through it, and as you begin to do so, you're not, you can't keep a bad attitude in the middle of praise. You can't keep a negative mindset in the middle of worship. You, you can't stay down and, and, and have an outlook of just being defeated and diminished when you're worshiping God, and he's worshiping in the middle of this painful moment. God's healing him and restoring him. He wants you, your pain to become a platform to reach people. He doesn't want to heal you just so you feel better. 
God heals Jonah in the middle of this place and vomits him out onto the land to go reach people. Come on, some of you need to be, I'm, like, Lord, vomit us out. <laughs> Help us reach people. He wants us to be strong so we can reach people. And you might be here today and say, you know what, I can't be like Jonah. I'm not going into no whale. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting into the water. I'm, I'm not, I can't be like Jonah. I can't do that. Good. Because I'm not really talking to you about Jonah. I'm talking to you about a man that's greater than Jonah. His name's Jesus. He's the true and better Jonah. When they said, let me get a sign that we know it's you, he said, I'm not going to give you a sign. The only sign you'll get is that the Son of Man will be like Jonah. In the belly of the whale, the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. He, he gave a sign. It's a picture of who Jesus is for us. Here's the reality. You don't have to go overboard because Jesus threw himself into the sea of sin. You, 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 don't, you don't have to worry about disobedience because Jesus threw himself into, into the sea of sinfulness and regret for humanity's sake. He is the true and better Jonah. I've got a whole list, the whole entire Bible, all 66 books written by 40 authors, penned over thousands of years, point to the same man named Jesus. He's the true and better everything. He's the true and better Adam, come on, who's passed test. He passed the test of temptation in the garden. He gives us his obedience. He's the true and better Abel, who was innocently slain, whose blood cries out acquittal, not condemnation. He's the true and better Abraham who stepped out of heaven, leaving the familiar to live by faith. He's the true and better Isaac, the promised son of grace offered for all time. He's the true and better Joseph sitting at the right hand of the king, praying for those who betrayed him, using his power to save them and not to harm them. He's the true and better Moses who stood in the gap on the mountain for his people, mediating a new covenant once for all, a rock that gives water when humanity strikes him. He's the true and better Joshua, the general of the armies of the Lord. He's the true and better Job, the only true and innocent sufferer who intercedes for his friends. He's the true and better David who gives victory because the people's victory belongs to him, but we didn't even have to lift a hand. He's the true and better Jonah. For your storms and your disobedience and your waywardness and the areas that you need to say, God, I'll obey. You can't do it on your own. If you're rowing harder and running harder, Jesus, I surrender. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I stop running. I stop rowing. I'm not sufficient. I don't have enough strength. I'm not going to bodybuild in this thing called Christianity. There's no prize for me, God. I'll lay it all down at your feet. Oh, come on. He's the true and better one. Can I get fired up in here today? Thank God for Jesus, man. This is the sign. You want a sign? It's Jonah. Three days in the belly of the whale. He went in for you and I so that we don't have to be swallowed up by our storms, that we don't have to be our, have our destiny delayed any longer, that we can step out with, when God tells us to step out. I want to pray for two things today. I want to pray for two things. Number one, that if you're running and rowing, that you would surrender and give your heart to God today. If, you, if you're not a Christian, maybe you're not a Christian, and, and you hear me up here talking about Jonah and Jesus, and the reality is this, that there's a man named Jesus that came to this planet, all man and all God, died on a tree to take sin, shame, regret, pain, to take our own ways and the ways we try to do it in our self-effort and the ways that we think we can save ourselves, all of our rowing and running, he took all that, all of our rebellion, come on, everyone has rebelled and gone astray. The Bible says that. He took all that and nailed himself to a tree, was annihilated, took the guilt, took the pain, went into the whale, took all of it so you and I don't have to carry it. Yes. 
And somebody needs to hear that today. If you're online today, maybe you're rowing harder. There's storms. Come on, I know what it's like to try to row through storms. I ran from God for 12 years. Chase me around the world. Maybe you're running today and you know what? You're tired of rowing, tired of figuring it out on your own. The storm didn't stop when they rowed. And you're like, you know what, God? I'm ready to surrender. I, I can't do this anymore. Be my leader, be my Lord. I had a fourth grader yesterday at dinner. He said, Pastor Jamie, do you know why I got saved? He goes, I was in a basketball tournament and we played the whole tournament and went to the championship and we lost. And I left that game. He's crying. And I asked Jesus to save me. And then the next year, we won the championship. I'm like, come on. I was like, you won't always win the championship, son, but you got something greater in your heart. He's like, that's a good lesson. Thank you. Maybe, you know, you're just ready to go. I can't do this on my own. Or maybe you're a Christian in here today and you're in a storm. I want to pray for that as well. You're like, I'm in the middle of the whale's belly. Here, here's what I want to pray for. I want to pray, if you're in the storm, that you get to a place of gratefulness in the middle of the painfulness. And that you say, God, do everything you need to do in me in this storm. And let me get all that I need to get in the middle of this this situation. This is a problem on purpose, God, that you would begin to have a different perspective about the storm you're in and go, God, I, I, I know that, that you can use this in my life. Jesus, whatever reason this storm is, whatever I'm going through, I trust that you can navigate the storms of my life and you can put into me everything I need in this next season. So let me just pray for you. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for those watching online. Thank you for those in this house. I pray that we would understand that we can't outrun grace, that the sign of Jonah is a message of grace. It's a message that you've prepared for our mess ups. You've prepared the way. You've removed the sin. You've nailed it to a cross that you, you, don't, you don't call us to row harder. You call us to release it to you. If you're in this place today, no one looking around or you're online, you say, you know what, pastor, I'm in a storm and I need God to, to get me to a place of surrender. I need to really release and trust it to God in this storm. Would you put your hand up to me? Pray for me, pastor. I need strength in this storm. Come on, people all across the room in storms. Father, you see every hand, you know every storm. Jesus, I thank you that you can speak peace, be still to the storms of our life, that you did that and you, you went to a tree, a cross, and you rose from the dead and took the power of the storms into your own hands. Thank you today, God, that you would cease storms and you would deposit into us all that we need to walk our destiny out of these storms and to become all you've called us to be. And if you're in this place, you say, Pastor, I'm running from God. I, I'm one of those prodigals where I'm rowing harder. I'm trying to row and, and rule my own life. I'm actually ready to surrender. I believe Jesus is God. I want to give my life to him today. If you're online, just type in fresh start if you'd like to make a fresh start with Jesus. If you're in this place and you'd say, Pastor, pray for me. I need a fresh start with God. Maybe you served him years ago. Maybe you're running from him right now. I don't know. Maybe you've never given your life to him, but you say, I'm ready to surrender. Would you put your hand up to me right now? Pray for me. I need a fresh start with God. God bless you. Thank you for your boldness. I need a fresh start with God. Anybody else just take a second. Hold it up high so I can pray for you. I need a fresh start today. If you're online, just type in fresh start right now. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer for us. If you put your hand up, pray this prayer with me. Come on, several people, church, putting their hand up in this house for eternity, for a fresh start with God. If you're online, just pray this prayer with me right now. No magic in the words. It's just a prayer of surrender. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for me on that tree. I believe you lived a perfect, sinless life. I believe you took all my sin and my mistakes and my failures and nailed it to that cross. 
I can't outrun grace. Thank you, Jesus, for my biggest mess-ups are on the tree with you. And I believe you take all my shame and regret. I turn from that lifestyle. I believe you're God. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me brand new life. Lord, I want to live as a follower of you. Fill me with your spirit and give me the power to serve you the rest of my days. Thank you for your grace. I can't outrun it. In Jesus' matchless name. Come on, let's give God praise in this place. Come on, several people saying yes to God today. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.